Welcome to 20 Good Minutes, where we talk for 40 minutes, and then you decide which 20 you like most. I'm Zeeland, that's Ben, and we are not going to make this one last an hour as well. The last one lasted an hour, but it was kind of a guilt trip, I think. It was we, a bumper, bumper episode, bumper episode. I don't know what that means. Well, a bump, well, you know what a bumper episode means? I know what a bumper is, it's in the back of a car, but I don't know what no, a, bumper a bumper episode is. A bumper episode is like a bigger episode. A, 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 <laughs> I don't know why it's a bumper either, uh, but yeah, uh -huh. no, a bumper episode. Okay, it was fine. It was a bumper episode, and this one is going to be a bumper episode for you because, as we always do, we sit down, we write out, well, what do we want to talk about today? And obviously, what pops right to the top of the list is the fact that your Liverpool yes. is back. We are. We are back. I mean, and by back, I mean we are sneaking undeservedly into the Champions League spaces. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a year. Who'd have thought, who'd have seen this coming? Not me. I thought it was I thought it was done ages ago. But uh, no, a late charge. Uh, fortunate that Chelsea and Leicester played, and now we've managed to win a few games in a row. And of course, hopefully, this podcast is out by the time that or the previous previously to the, to playing Palace. If we beat Palace as well, then it's all done, done and dusted. You know what can possibly go wrong, Z? Well, if you beat Palace by one, and then Leicester goes and wins by like six goals, they could actually flip it on you. Just yeah, they're playing Tottenham though. And Harry Kane's last game for Tottenham, so you know he's going to have to do something to you know give the fans something to remember. Make sure so they I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Play his way into the Europa Conference League, which is what yeah, it's looking like right now. So I'll make the prediction though, just quickly. I'll make oh, the prediction yeah, yeah. that Liverpool will will finish third. Chelsea will oh. stumble away at Aston Villa, and Liverpool will end up third and have the most undeserving third place for a while. It'd be amazing. You know what I think is actually a terrifying possibility that people don't think about? It's like, what if Liverpool and Leicester both win and then Chelsea loses? All of a sudden, Chelsea's out. Yeah. Oh, it would be funny, wouldn't it? I mean, well, and then I... they've got the Champions League final, and that's literally everything on that. The pressure that goes <laughs> onto the Champions League final after losing uh, the FA Cup final. Oh, the drama. I'm not sure I could handle the drama. Well, I would feel bad for Pulisic. Put that out there. But the other side of this, like this, who had two minutes? He's very, he's mentioned as an American <sighs> national. There he is. It was early for you. That, that hey, was very, very early. It's hard. It's hard not to when we we talk about <laughs> Chelsea so much. But the, uh, I love, I love the American soccer bingo that I play every yes. single podcast. You you definitely win every podcast. And... I look forward to it. I hope people have uh, now you know scratched off their little bingo cards. Do you ever, have you ever played bingo? You don't strike me as a man that would play bingo. I've played it, but we used to play it in school where you'd play like bingo in Spanish class and you wouldn't hear the word right. And so you would have won bingo, but you didn't understand that you weren't paying attention <sighs> in the language and stuff. So I've yeah. played bingo like that, but I've never gone to like a bingo parlor or something. No, neither have I actually. I've played, yeah, I've played it like with family and things like that, but I've never actually played it. In a professional setting one day maybe one day in a professional setting is there like some sort of circuit with like tournaments and majors and stuff for professional well, have, bingo have, in the uk they have bingo halls where people go specifically just to play bingo yeah i mean they have those here and i don't think anyone under the age of 75 has ever walked into one 
no well yeah this is it this is probably why i've never been but at some point i feel like you know we're, we're trying to collate a list of things that when we eventually meet we can do and i think bingo is soaring up the list of potential hey, things bingo. We can do. yeah oh thank that. thank goodness i've finally gotten into this impossible to get to part of england that you live in and yeah. i am able to i'm going to sprint right past the beach with the ice cream cones and whatever else is going on right to the bingo hall to uh yeah to, you know, just to get a couple cards in i just need to get a couple cards in yeah i mean it's, it's, at that point it'll be an addiction following this podcast i'll, I'll come next week okay you playing bingo every day three times a day what okay yeah so that'd be good <laughs> no uh yes yeah, so in summary liverpool are back in the champions league places at long last yeah and hopefully you remain there the, um yeah the, considering the season this is surprising and enjoyable well, obviously and what really shocks me though is the the flip side of this and that's why I, want to talk about because i i don't want to give you too much time to gloat over the fact that you snuck in but lester who was like comfortably in the whole time is now in this situation where it just won the fa cup but mm. would you and i actually don't know my answer to this question i'm going to form it based off of yours would you trade the fa cup win against chelsea would you take the loss in the FA Cup final to have beaten Chelsea in week 37? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? I think for Leicester, they are probably quite happy. I think the FA Cup means more to them. I think it's dependent club on club. I think it's tricky. I think for Leicester, they've already won the Premier League in the last 10 years, which is already absolutely ridiculous. They've had some time in the Champions League. I think it's an FA Cup something they've... I don't think they've ever won it. I think it's their first time ever. I think for players as well you're more likely to remember winning the FA Cup than you are finishing fourth in 2021. So I think for that basis, you'd probably take it. I think for the mega clubs, I think if you asked Arsenal or maybe even Tottenham and Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, because they're... Tottenham maybe not so much, but because of the previous things they've won, because of the history that already exists for those teams, getting to the top four is of maximum importance for revenues and everything else. Right, I've talked about this before. So... I think for a Liverpool personally, they would rather be in the top four. But look, Klopp's won a few trophies. He's not, he's not won loads of trophies. I think, again, they're, they're both quite good things. So you don't really lose in either situation. I think you make a good point that it depends on the club. Leicester never won. I don't know why I know that, but it, it was something that popped up on my newsfeed. They yeah. never won the FA Cup. I don't know the intrinsic value of the FA Cup because I didn't grow up with, like, the Football Association, you know, and that sort of... Yeah that sort of thing or th th this vibe where everybody kind of makes fun of it but the fa cup final is the biggest match day of the year like that's the yeah. i think i think part of that just to give people an idea for those that aren't overly familiar with the fa cup i'm sure you watch the latter stages like the premier league clubs coming in round three and previous to round three there are about nine rounds which is a bit confusing there's lots of preliminaries the, the, the thing that makes it so exciting i think is that the idea that your team locally to you no matter what level so my local team great yarmouth are in the FA Cup every single year. Now, of course, they never get beyond the first few stages and eventually are weeded out. But um, the idea that any team can win it from the, the football pyramid professionally or semi-professionally is the thing that makes it so exciting. And that those teams can meet, right? Sometimes you have a team in the eighth tier get to the FA Cup third round. It's like once every few seasons that'll happen and they'll face off against a Tottenham or a Manchester United or whatever else and they'll play a big side. And that's that's the, like, the, the mystery behind it. That's the the excitement behind it for those fans and those those players that it's there it's almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity for some of them to play one of these big teams and live the the, the lifestyle of a professional footballer for a week now of course when you whistle it down to the top clubs that again prioritize champions league importance 
there isn't that same level of like mystery behind it and and uh, like prestige as well right it doesn't exist necessarily for those players but nationally it's still a huge deal but it's also the big it's the biggest domestic cup competition in the world i think that's just according yeah. to football managers like reputation rating but it's still this it's a if you win it it's one of those things where I, I people pretend that they don't care but then all of a sudden when somebody like aiden hazard goes to real madrid it's like oh he won five trophies for us and it's like well they weren't all leagues you know they were yeah. fa cups yeah. and that's something that people tout around on resumes they're like well jose Mourinho led them to an fa cup before he got fired like can't believe he got fired or something like that um i i i probably would take the cup too but it's tough obviously leicester should still if chelsea or liverpool drop points leicester could still slip itself back into the champions league so it's not all toast and over but that's difficult they also totally kind of they, they choked their way out because it was just chelsea and liverpool for a long time yeah i, th I think you should, it can't be underplayed the, like the success and the work that Brendan Rodgers and those players have done to put themselves in, in this position, right? To go on an FA Cup run and also to be as competitive as they have been in the league as well. It's so impressive. Like, the the big six are always talked about, right? And you, you can see how easily the big six, six teams can fall off. Whether that be Tottenham this season under Mourinho or Arsenal under Arteta, like, it's easy to fall away. And teams have to then grasp the opportunity. In so many seasons, you wouldn't see that. And Leicester, especially in the last few years, I've done that and done that so impressively as well. Like the, the team that they've assembled, the way in which they purchased players and have sold players on, right? You forget that, in theory, they lost one of the best defenders in the country to, to, to Manchester United when they sold Harry Maguire. But with that £80 million, they reinvest it. They, they bring in players that eventually will probably go on to be sold again for crazy amounts of money and eventually like they could become a self-sustaining club that don't have to sell those players if they can consistently get into the european places and and profit so substantially but um they're, they're a really interesting story and i think there's they've almost become everybody's like neutral side no one's got any hatred for them really like maybe locally to leicester you will do but like outside of that people are rooting for them to win the league and they're rooting for them in the fa cup final against a powerhouse like chelsea so I think Leicester get a lot of love, especially in the again UK wise. I don't know how how does that transcend across across the across the waters no, it, to it, America. It, it transcends. They're they're lovable underdogs. That's the vibe that they have. But that's I'm going to turn this around though. Obviously, they don't have all these rivalries because they're new blood. I mean, this is not a club that's supposed to be at these heights for a lot of time. I get the yeah. impression a lot of the time that whoever is like the director at Leicester is actually just playing football manager in real life because that's kind of what it. <laughs> I mean, that is what it feels like, where you take a club that is in a relegation battle and elevate them to being a league champion and being in the Champions League and then, you know, oof, having a couple of down years or something, had to sell a few players. But I, I, I believe that if they continue on this trajectory that Leicester is going to become a a power club i i've said in the past that they're the best small club and that like arsenal is the worst big club and i feel like people yeah. kind of understand what it, like the worst of the big six is arsenal right now they just that's just where they're at uh in leicester is not one of the power clubs but they're certainly the best out of the non-power clubs at what point do you think that changes i've been trying to figure that out for a while and i honestly don't know 
well, the most recent example of a team that have tried to become that power club. So, right, th throughout the, the, the mid-2000s and the late 90s, there was four teams that this represented. It was Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, became it sort of under Abramovich, right? And then you had Liverpool and Arsenal. And that was the big the big four, it was, as it was known. And now, it's funny, it's known as... The, did you ever, like, know it as the big four? I guess you probably know. No, not. no. I, I wasn't paying attention to the sport in England at the time. Yeah, so then Manchester City got, obviously, some, some billionaire owners, and that elevated them to a certain level of status. And then... Tottenham under Harry Redknapp in sort of, sort of around the 2010 period started to build themselves into a Champions League club who finished fourth and then made the most of that opportunity and then they've gone on to build a stadium which competes with any stadium in the world and that is the one thing that Leicester right now don't have right commercially they didn't have they've not got a player like Gareth Bale in the same way that Tottenham did that could elevate them and Gareth Bale performs away in Italy and has got a hat trick at the San Siro and things like this right that elevated Tottenham's reputation to a level that when Bale left, they could still bring in players like Christian Eriksen and, and, and players like this, right? You think about Luka Modric being there now, Harry Kane being one of the best players in the world and being at Tottenham. And Leicester are still without those players, right? They don't have a future best player in the world there right now. James Madison is one of their prospects. Jerry Tielemans is fantastic. So they're, they're, they're lacking that right now. And maybe this will be the summer where that starts to change. Who knows? And they, and they really begin to overtake Arsenal, right? If you look at what both teams have achieved in the last 10 years, Leicester and Arsenal are not overly dissimilar, actually. Yeah, Champions League qualification, perhaps. But other than that, in terms of what they've won, Leicester are ahead of them. Like, that, that league title counts for a lot right now, as much as it might have been a fluke. So, stadia-wise, they are, they are below what is required to be a top club. They are player-wise behind that. I think the important sort of thing that you can't really account for at any given time is the manager and where does Brendan Rodgers sit like where does he sit for you in terms of like the hierarchy of of good Premier League managers well Brendan Rodgers sits in that he sits in that area where if he's doing well people praise him and they're like god, look at all the amazing work he's done and then if he's doing poorly <laughs> people just dump all over him and they're like god Brendan Rodgers he always sucks doesn't matter where he goes he's, he's the type of person that nobody can make their mind up on him but obviously obviously Brendan Rodgers is good I mean look okay look at what happened to Celtic after he left they fell apart yeah. and and he comes into Leicester and is able to maintain this uh, the thing is Leicester does have a star like they have Jamie Vardy but the problem with someone like Vardy and I I'm gonna find a way to word this he's almost like too English like he's an English star but he's not a world star yeah He's almost a story rather than a star. Yeah, well, yeah. Right? Like this, Even though he's yeah. got this incredible record and all these goals and he's one of the best strikers in the best league in the world consistently, he does. you don't go to Spain and you're like, man, I, I am excited that Leicester's playing here because I want to watch Jamie Vardy. Like, that's not... Yeah. Even though it probably should be. Like, he is on paper that good. And he's, and he's not a paper tiger. It's not like he's just worse in real life and happens to put up numbers anyways. He's just, he plays the game in a way that does not appeal to an international audience. Yeah, and for, and for Leicester, right, he's 34 now. He's getting to the point of like, you can't build your future. Like James Madison, again, I'll come back to Madison, right? Madison kind of is that guy, right? You, you think about the players that have been there a long time, the likes of Kasper Schmeichel and Jamie Vardy, these players that have been stars and... and the problem you're going to have is like Leicester almost becoming so Dortmund were never like a big side in Germany until more recently in the last the last decade or so when they were elevated a lot higher than necessarily they were previous to that and Leicester are in a similar situation of now having to try and hold on to their assets that have the potential to go on and be these star players you talk about players like Ndidi right Chowdhury's another one of those players Solunchu is arguably in that bracket Tielemans if they can hold on to those players build around them 
The problem you've got when you're Leicester is that these players will arguably see Leicester as a springboard. Riyad Mahrez, Angolo Kante, right? These guys that have gone on, Ben Chilwell, Harry Maguire. These players that have been at Leicester, they've used them as the platform to showcase how good they are, and then they move on to somewhere else. And that's Leicester's constant battle. And they've got to be so savvy and so smart in transfer windows to make sure that they never actually fall behind in terms of player quality, but they continue to profit off those players that inevitably have ambitions to play at a high level. And that's... The, the race is basically and, Tot and Tottenham obviously are, are the, the, the prime example of what happens if you never quite get into that bracket Harry Kane that like one of the best players in the league now wants to leave and is looking elsewhere and Leicester are going to have that but with like a, an array of talent that want to fulfill what their ambitions were as players it's difficult I think this sort of thing is it also hinges on a couple of games in your in your future I, I like wesley fofana too he's always somebody that everybody yeah, says very is good, very be a, good player. a fantastic player at some point but yeah so they're able to bring those guys in it's just holding them like if tottenham wins the champions league final right against <sighs> you guys like so dude, and I, I don't want you to have to even imagine the pain that you would have experienced if that happened but if tottenham wins that champions league final then which obviously the fact that they got there they were more than capable of winning that game Obviously, they didn't. Liverpool was the better team, but it was possible. Like, they put a yeah. team on the field that was capable of winning the Champions League, even if it didn't. And so if they'd won that game, this whole conversation is different. And I think for Leicester, it's going to come down to whether they get stuck in that kind of area that West Ham was stuck in for a while, that Everton gets stuck in a lot, where you're not a big club, but you're certainly not, like, a small club that's in danger of getting relegated. Mm. Uh, and where where like Leeds and, and Wolves Leeds is trying to insert itself into there but where, where kind of Wolves is over the last couple of years where you know they're good they're going to try and compete for the top seven they didn't really this year but they uh, they're not relegation threatened they're way too talented for them yeah. whether well, you're well, Leeds is the, Le the Leeds story I don't know if you ever looked into the Leeds story of what happened in the early 2000s right? I'm sure you're aware that Leeds are like traditionally one of the bigger a clubs right? you'd club. argue that yeah, yeah, yeah. Le yeah, Leeds are a much bigger club than, than Leicester in that sense they're arguably like they're a, bigger, a bigger club than Tottenham really like historically and, and what they've achieved and Leeds got to that point in sort of 2001 where they were competing at Champions League level and things like this they had a really good young squad Mark Viduka was part of that side Alan Smith you had Harry Kuehl there as well for those that remember that era any names there except that you recognize <laughs> uh i i mean i've heard them before i'd be lying if yeah. i said i knew what they did or anything yeah but they but they so they got to like a champions league semi-final and then financially there were so many irregularities with leads and they dropped down two divisions right and then had to fight so hard over the course of nearly two decades to get back to the premier league level and now you can see when they're in the premier league they've got almost like this big club feel to them despite having a side that is newly promoted it's really interesting to see how that works and when uh, one thing like you won't have seen yet and it'll be interesting to see next season as people are allowed back in grounds is the atmosphere that will be created at ellen rose more so than like it'll be different there's there's almost i've been before it's quite um it's a let's call it passionate it's a very passionate atmosphere at leeds united and it'll be really fascinating to see how that translates to the players on the pitch in a Premier League setting because Leeds see themselves as a Premier League club and again they will be one of those sides like Leicester that will be trying to become part of a bigger eight right a big nine again I said before yeah. it was a big four once before it's not a big six it's nothing to say that won't expand and get bigger and become more more intense as the rivalries continue and that what that does of course that drives out revenues and then there's more money in the game and what the the, the way Premier League football is going is there are becoming that big club tag is is 
trying to be bought by a few people or, or achieved by a few clubs and it's a very difficult tag to get and you can see for, for City and Chelsea and, and Tottenham right you've got to invest massively so the question that we asked initially was what what do Leicester have to do they have to make strides to becoming a big club probably by pumping lots of money in which is you know football these days well you need you need that but if you if you invest intelligently, like this is what Bayern shows, is Bayern does all these things outside of the actual paying for players that it's just able to make them one of the biggest clubs in the world anyways. I, it's definitely a rat race though because all the interest is on the Premier League and if you wanted to buy a club that's already in the big six, it would cost you like $4 billion. And so the other way to get yourself into the big six is to pick up one of these other clubs and kind of push them into uh, in, into that top area. And like Leicester's got all the money it needs. If yeah. it if it wanted to spend it, and so I, it's interesting, but it, it's all it's all a battle of public perception. I think who's in real danger of slipping out though is Arsenal. I mean, because for my yeah. the generate, and I'm despite I'm 25, but for the actual fandom of the league, I'm much younger than that because I I wasn't watching the league my whole life. Arsenal does not feel like a huge club to me. And I know, I, I know that they are. I know that they have a ton of fans. I know that they were invincible. I know that they, you know they had all of these uh, like amazing. They had Dennis Bergkamp pulling the strings and Henri and like this just this unbelievable team. But all I remember from Arsenal is squeaking out fourth in the league every year, and then they get rid of Arsene Wenger, and then they're much worse than that, and now they're ninth. I mean that like Tottenham has been much better in my fandom experience than Arsenal. Uh, Leicester has Liverpool, Chelsea, man, you, like United City, obviously, all have been better than Arsenal in my like viewing experience. And Arsenal just, I can't imagine them having this kind of world-class team now. It's weird. But I know, yeah, they, I know the, they should be able to. That, that's the interesting thing for a club like Leicester, right? What if Arsenal are bought up by this guy who owns Spotify and suddenly Arsenal become the powerhouse that they're supposed to be? And then that is another thing that Leicester can't control and will make life a lot more difficult because then Arsenal are the type of team that they're a big enough size that they can look at Leicester players. And this is like the ongoing thing that people talk about a lot. Like if you're a player now playing in France, playing in Holland, playing in Spain, and you're thinking about a Premier League move and none of the top elite clubs are interested, do you go to a Leicester right now or do you go to Arsenal? And, and it's really, really interesting. And, the, and the problem and the stigma almost around Arsenal, and of course, there's been a lot of debate over ownership recently. If they were to become what they're capable of becoming and what they were promised, this is this is why Arsenal fans are so furious, really, is what they were promised when they moved to the Emirates of, we are going to compete with the biggest and the best clubs around the world. And they've never done it. But what if someone flicks the switch and suddenly they become that team and, and the money, again, it comes down to money, right? The money that has always been there is finally invested properly and they become, again, back where they belong in in in, 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 the, in the sense of where they were 20 years ago. It, that's And that's just where they belong, I guess. Speaking of, uh, this is not something we wrote down to talk about, but I'm, I'm interested in talking about it anyways, because speaking of where you're supposed to belong, PSG's actually going to lose the league. I just wanted to let you know. I'm really, know, I'm really, really excited about it. I don't That's know why. That's a good chance. It's a, well, okay. Lille just has to win, right? And you say that and you're like, oh, well, Lille just has to win. They're playing Angers. Angers is terrible. If Lille wins yeah. its game, PSG can't win the league. It's impossible, even though their goal difference is astronomical. <laughs> I, I, that and Juventus also getting knocked off. 
I think is actually a harbinger of it's kind of the end of this like era of dominance. We because we had the French League, Italian League, German League had the same winner every year for like six straight years, all three of them yeah. at the same time. I think the uh, the Bayern was the last one to get on the train of just winning consecutive titles the whole time. And now two of those three are are falling. I am yeah. ecstatic about this. So uh, yeah, I assume you want this like this this the competitive cycle to happen. I think the problem with PSG again, I've, I've said that I feel like this this is the ultimate come down every single time is that PSG will look at this and go, well, we've got loads of money. So what we'll do is we will fix this by <laughs> spending all of that money, right? And that, and that is inevitably going to be what they're going to do we talked about Juventus a while ago like they are in a bigger problem for me and it's funny we've obviously we've talked about the Super League and we've talked about the clubs that are still left in it you look at the rebuilds that have to exist in the next five years at Real Madrid at Barcelona and at Juventus like PSG kind of not in that category of course they weren't in the Super League but they are like hankering down to yeah we're going to need 500 to a billion to to get ourselves sure. out of this hole of losing Messi of losing like the Ramos Modric Benzema era of losing uh, the Ronaldos of course they've got the Chiellinis and things like this like there's going to have to be a shift and those clubs are going we will we will wait until the money comes back and then we will we will rebuild with that money they saw this as their ultimate get out plan so it's interesting to see how the shift will happen and, and where Juventus will end up after all of this, right? Where Real Madrid and Barcelona will end up after this. And you look at Atletico, right? They're probably going to win La Liga for the looks of things. There's definitely beco there's becoming this shift across Europe a little bit of the teams that are traditionally there are being knocked off their perch in a sort of an unforeseen season, right? And if you look at the calendar of the last five years, you would never have predicted that football would look like this right now. But um, yeah, it's clearly having some sort of effect. And it's you're right. It's fantastic. Right? You want to see this. You want to see... The, the unthinkable happen i do think that one of these clubs is probably gonna fade hard i don't know which one it is uh i i obviously don't think it's psg because they'll be able to spend their way out of the hole the the, the issue for psg is the same as with leicester can you hold the best players yeah. in the world in the french league because it is undoubtedly fifth I still think the French League is very good, can produce teams, not just PSG, that can compete with anybody from any league, but it's clearly not as good overall. Yeah. And so can you hold players in the French League where a league on a title just doesn't matter as much as like a Premier League title? You're like, well, Leicester won the Premier League. That buys them a lot of years of legitimacy. Yeah. Where, you know, you don't get that from winning a league on title. You're right. I, I think... You mentioned, like, I don't know who it'll be. I, I think Juventus are the most likely, and I think the problem for Juventus is there are, like, three or four teams that you, well, you can see, right? The drop-off for PSG is they're going to finish second. The drop-off for Juventus, they're going to they're going to finish fifth. Right? They're going to be out of the Champions League. There's four teams that are going to be within that. And Serie A in Italy has never necessarily been, like, it's almost like the cultured place to go, but it's not the sexy place to go in the same way that Barcelona and Real Madrid are. And they will always have that edge, right? There'll always be talk all the time, especially from English media, of this player wants to leave, he wants to elevate himself, he wants to go to Spain. You never hear that said about Italy. And I think that ultimately is where Juventus will eventually fall down because if the, if the teams around them, and don't, and don't forget as well, like AC Milan and Inter Milan ruled Italy for a long period of time, especially that period where Juventus obviously had some, let's call them complications, and dropped down the leagues and had to fight their way back again. Like the Milans thrived in that, Inter won a treble during that. So, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how they rebuild if 
they have the money to. And of course, there's this big question over the summer of what are UEFA going to do and what are Serie A and La Liga going to do about these teams that are saying we're staying in the Super League that doesn't exist. <laughs> like it's yeah, going to be I, a really I, fascinating... Like the, throughout the Euros, right, it's going to be really interesting to see how that conversation happens as an aside to the international competitions. I am so excited for the Euros too. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back on 20 Good Minutes. We've, we've laid down some amazing punditry. Uh, and now it is time for what has to be considered the best part of the podcast, the favorite part of the podcast, the part of the podcast that you can join us at home. And you might notice this crinkling, and that is because apparently I do not have yes. the IQ required to open uh, clotted cream fudge to, oh. to eat. Oh, there we go. what a day this is. What a day. I mean, is, is fudge not a thing that's had? Especially clotted cream, uh, cream no, fudge. I can't definitely, imagine that is, no, but definitely not clotted cream fudge. Does that sound like a thing? If you tried to give clot, quote-unquote clotted cream fudge to somebody in, like, Mississippi, I'm pretty sure they'd just put on a tri-corner hat and start throwing tea into a swimming pool or something. Like, they'd just be so... Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> but you said, okay, you, said but, you liked this. I told you what I was going right. to try right before we right before we started talking again. I'm, I'm pretty sure in my lifetime I will have had at some stage some clotted cream fudge specifically. Fudge generally is fantastic, very bad for you, like incredibly bad for you. Um, what have you got it in cubes or like what? Does yes, it look? Can yeah, you yeah, it's broken it off in cubes uh, because I am limited by the quote-unquote European section of my grocery store. Uh, this is Buchanan's <laughs> Fine Taste of Scotland, uh, clotted cream fudge made to a traditional Scottish recipe, and I when I bought it. I actually had no idea what clotted cream fudge was. For some reason, I was thinking of something like a cottage cheese, but it turns out that it is, uh, like, because I heard clotted cream, and I was like, okay. Uh, but it is it is a fudge. Uh, it is brown. It is uh, rectangular and cubic. And, well, I'm just uh, looking it up so I can, so can visualize it. As yeah, you, uh, necessary. You're right, enjoying there it. There we go. Yeah. Take a... is, it, is it soft, or is it Oh, it's crumbly? a lot softer than I thought it was. Wow. Okay. <laughs> is it crumbly at all, or is it smooth? Smooth. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> not something I thought I'd be asking. Is it quite sticky and clarty? So if you use the word clarty, is it quite sticky, or is it? Is it you know quite smooth to the taste? Is it going down well? It's not very. It is quite smooth to the taste. It's going down easy. I feel like it's just pure sugar. Like I feel like I'm mainlining yeah, pre- sugar. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but. Um, what really makes this is that fudge in the U.S. Normally, it's like a chocolate fudge. It's very thick, very sticky. Gets stuck in your teeth. Takes forever to get down. Where this, yeah. you bite into it, and it almost has the consistency of a loaf of bread. Like, <laughs> okay, no one was expecting that. I mean, listeners, I don't know what to tell you. He's called it a loaf of bread. Fudge. What do you mean? No, well, I mean it's like it's a lot easier to bite in than into than like an American fudge. That, I, that yeah. I would be aware do you, do you have toffee in America? American fudge I, is kind of like toffee consistency. It obviously doesn't so, taste toffee's like a that, lot but... more chewier, right? Like mm-hmm. toffee's quite chewy, and that that is the sort of thing that gets stuck in your teeth and stuff like that. It's a nightmare. Whereas fudge, as I say, there is sort of this, uh, there's a smoother flavoring. For, for a period of time, actually, Ellie would go to a local, a little anecdote for you that he listens. Um, Ellie would go to a, a, like one of the local markets around Christmas time and would buy me flavor. She'd get me like a pack of eight. It was a, so bad for me. It was unbelievable. Um, 
pack of eight like different flavored fudges right so you could get like lemon flavor strawberry cheesecake flavor fudges it was amazing i don't know if you've, oh, oh, i wish i could wish i had it now um but they're really strawberry nice. again, big fun cheesecake fudge. fudge wow you name a you name any sort of like i don't know dessert flavor it could be made salted caramel is obviously a classic uh, any yeah, any sort of fudge flavor, flavor is fantastic. Apple fudge, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking no way, but no, it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, so uh, how would you rate this in terms mm. of sweet treats that you eat on a semi-regular basis? What is your favorite sweet treat, and how does this compare? It really rotates. Um, I try and always have a <laughs> it really rotates. You were so sad of that. Oh well, it's yeah, not. I, it's I... not always the same. <laughs> I I try and have one sweet thing because I have a sweet tooth. I try and have, but just I try and have just one sweet thing at a time. It could be ice cream. It could be, you know, it could be like Nutella. It could be some really chocolatey cereal. Like I I need to have one sweet thing around so that if I need like a sweet kick, I can go ahead and hit it. This is gotcha. definitely very good. I feel like I could eat this very quickly, but it's also you start to feel the sugar in your head almost immediately. <laughs> Right, yeah. Like, I'm probably going to be bouncing off the walls in about 20 minutes. I would make a prediction, having had it. I reckon there's more sugar in Captain Crunch than there is the fudge you're eating right there. That's pure fudge. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I have not recovered from the Captain Crunch come down from about <laughs> uh, two months ago. I can't believe it. I'm, I think about it every day. I think, uh, my word, how is it? I'm pleased there aren't more. Like, it's not, it's not an easy thing to buy, right? Obviously, your mother had to send it to me. What a woman. But, um... Yeah, I think about it regularly as something that has scarred me, scarred my insides, I think, for a long time. <laughs> my favorite part about that was you uh, being surprised at how little it crunched. Yeah, I was a bit annoyed. It was a bit too soft. Uh, yeah, irritating. And it, no, no, it crunched, it crunched well, but it almost like when it, you crunch Captain Crunch into dust very quickly, which was my frustration with it. I thought it was going to be more of a challenge. I'm pleased it wasn't, but I thought it was going to be. Um... So yeah, on a, on a scale of one to ten, then on the fudge, it's an eight. What we giving I, it? On. I like it. I just had a second I, piece. Yeah, I think that, I think that the question the listeners are desperate to know the answer to right. is uh, is it better than Jaffa cakes? No, Jaffa cakes out oh. of the freezer. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. Do you know what, the listeners? I'm gonna I'm gonna let them in behind the curtain here. We we did as part of the streamer showdown. We do a show called the Breakdown. And uh, we, we show a video package for 10 minutes. I watched Zealand Shannon consume well over eight Jaffa cakes in 10 minutes. Well over. Which... I'm suing for slander. That leaves way too much room for interpretation. Right, it was how many 10. was it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what? One a minute. You it were just downing them. Yeah, yeah, well, they're tiny. Was... I mean, you just hustle through a sleeve, you know. You were doing them like shots. That's what it was like. Oh, I yeah. could just see him constantly just devouring these Jaffa cakes. That's, how, was... I, that's oh, how I yeah, prepare right. for every stream, actually. I just do a shooter of Jaffa cakes, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, uh, listeners, if, you, if you're still listening, I hope you are, uh, send me <laughs> tweets of things that we should recommend Ziga at DotsBenji on Twitter. You don't have to follow me if you don't want to, but do tweet me suggestions of things that we should get Z to try uh, for future podcasts because, you know, obviously there's loads of things, but if you could be specific, something that you consider extraordinarily British, feel free. And equally, uh, send Z's mum suggestions of things yeah. to send me because Z's, <laughs> Z's too busy. She's to always, every time she goes in the grocery store, she'll send me a text and she'll be like, do you think they have it, 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 it's usually not this mundane but she'll be like do you think they have bread in england and i'm like yeah yeah they they, uh, they have they have that well i think thing. we mentioned it on the last podcast she showed me macaroni cheese like i don't live in the third world gina that's ridiculous I, I, we do have macaroni and cheese. i mean we we, we we yet to try it yet though so you know, I, i'll as and when it happens i'll uh 
I'll, I'll bring it up. But yeah, one of my favorite people in the world, your mum. So I hope she doesn't see that as slander. <laughs> no. She enjoys the relationship that you guys have that is based on her mailing you things because she thinks the cross-cultural interaction is very entertaining. I'm no, going to down another I piece of this love it. It's fantastic. Oh, oh, there we go. All right. Well, well, when we get a package, me and I look at each other. Just just, just on that, Zeke. We get a package yeah. through the door. Someone knocks on the door. I look at it. I, go, I look at her. I go, have you, have you ordered anything? She goes, no. And then we both sort of in sync go, Z's mom. <laughs> and, and then there's this sort of moment where we open it and we're fat. It's like Christmas every single time. So, yeah, amazing. Amazing. Uh, she just, uh, she cannot help herself but help. Not only with just the food, but like just stuff in general, oh. just the stuff she sends you. I love her. Absolutely love her. I can't wait to see what she sends you next on the next episode of 20 Good Minutes. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I have fudge stuck in my mouth. Well, you put it in there. <laughs> it is good. I taste very creamy and very clotted. <laughs> <laughs>